Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of Live Media, I am thrilled to create wellness-based content and technologies to help you level up and become more conscious of your ripple. The Live app launches Christmas Day, and you are going to love it. Gold is a Live Media production brought to you from the sound studio at The Space LV. If you've been listening for a bit, you know that the Live app drops Christmas Day. Well, we have something special in store to celebrate, and we want you involved. A 12 Days of Christmas giveaway. These are brands we believe in, including Zappos, Lululemon, and the grand prize, $1,000 for you to invest in leveling up, whether that's paying down a credit card or investing in yourself. Follow me at ms.jeanetteschneider on Instagram and the live movement at loveisviral.media to follow the giveaway announcements. Happy holidays. Dr. Christina Madison refers to herself as the Dr. Ruth of Pharmacy. She believes sexual health is your overall health and wants to reduce the stigma and shame surrounding the conversation of sex. She stresses the importance of honest and open communication, not only with your sexual partner, but also with your physician. Dr. Madison is an Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice with Roseman University of Health Sciences. She completed a pharmacy practice residency at the New Mexico VA Health Care System in 2005 and has been a board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist since 2011. She's credentialed with the Academy of HIV Medicine since 2013 and was elected Fellow of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy in 2018. She maintains two active practice sites with Huntridge Family Clinic, which focuses on the LGBTQ community and is one of the largest providers of HIV prevention and gender-affirming care services in the state of Nevada, as well as Volunteers in Medicine of Southern Nevada, where she offers immunization and communicable disease care. Dr. Madison is an immunizing pharmacist and has been a trainer of student pharmacist, community hospital pharmacist since 2008 in both Nevada and Utah. She actively practices in both state and national pharmacy and healthcare organizations to facilitate awareness of healthcare policy, education, and advocacy. Her research interests include HIV prevention and treatment, pharmacy-based immunization delivery, women's health, sexually transmitted infections, LGBTQ health, and gender-affirming care. Today, Dr. Madison and I dig into the world of sexual health. We discuss the vital need for self-advocacy, education, and awareness to make your sexual encounters as safe as possible. We talk about the options available for STD testing, prevention, and treatment, and the importance of full disclosure with your partners. Let's dig in. I'm so excited to have with me on Gold today, Dr. Christina Madison. Thank you for being here in person, which I adore. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much for having me. I I just feel super fortunate to have had the opportunity to meet such empowering and amazing women like yourself. And I just feel like it was kismet that I um, was able to walk up to you after the first panel of the Women Who Slay conference yeah. this year. And I just, I feel like that, that 
conference just bore so much fruit and I just really feel like positivity begets more positivity. And so I just really want to thank you for reaching out and yeah, and absolutely. actually following up because sometimes people don't follow up, but I just, I think you're amazing and, oh, and I you. really, I love really it. enjoy air. When people come together and your you kind energy. of are like, we like each other and there's like, something. I'm, I'm vibing with you. Yeah, like, I exactly. like your energy. <laughs> there was like a nerdy stat moment because I, I gave absolutely. a lot of stats on stage and you were like, yes. Um, and I, I, you told me that you were a pharmacist mm-hmm. and that you worked at Roseman. And I was like, oh, I got it. And then when we couldn't meet or have a – there was a conversation that there was a miss because of where you were going. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we got to get on, on the podcast and talk about that. So you have referred to yourself as the Dr. Ruth of sexual health care, of, of <laughs> pharmacy. Right. So, yeah, that's that's – I mean, honestly, I I sort of self-titled myself that just because I feel like in general, we don't feel comfortable talking about sex and sexual health. And so my background um, started out originally working in a public health department, and currently I'm practicing at a family medicine clinic that caters to the LGBTQ community. And so I feel like, you know, your sexual health is your overall health, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's that part of the, the primary care visit and that... Um, you know, initial exposure that you have to a healthcare provider that often gets missed or lost. And it really is detrimental to people's health because things get missed, right? So things get misdiagnosed. A rash that is obviously a, a, you know, a secondary syphilis rash is misdiagnosed as chickenpox in an adolescent young Mm -hmm. adult, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, things like that and, and not knowing the fact that we are literally in the middle of a crisis, right? So the National Institutes of Health recently released a report at the beginning of this month, stating that the rise of sexually transmitted infections is at the level of a public health crisis. And really understanding your risk and knowing that these casual hookups and encounters that people are engaging in are are serious. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of attention paid to HIV because, you know, it sounds scary. And obviously, you know, we want to reduce, you know, individuals risk of HIV acquisition, but that's not really what's happening out there. It's, it's more the, the sexually transmitted infections. And there's so many negative sequelae that can occur just based on that. Just as a woman, um, if you have an untreated STD, you um, are at risk for infertility. That's Mm -hmm. why when you go to the OBGYN um, up to the age of 25, they automatically will test you for chlamydia because it's a silent infection. And if it's left untreated, you can become infertile. Mm. You know, we have an entire generation of women who have struggles with conceiving because we didn't pay enough attention to their sexual health. And, you know, that's why I'm passionate about this, right? So I'm a Nevada native. I'm a local. I, you know, I support you know, nonprofits, charities, organizations. And I get super excited when I see any advocacy related to HIV, um, to sexual health, to women's health, Mm -hmm. empowerment. Um, You know, I sit on the board for a nonprofit here in town called the Shiro Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're looking at, you know, helping young women that are in vulnerable situations and that it, it, everything comes back to sexual health, right? So exploitation, um, you know, this is October's domestic violence Mm -hmm. awareness month, you know, it all comes back to sexual health. And if we can become confident in having that conversation and really reducing that stigma behind, you know, not shaming women who want to have more than one partner Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, having instances where those who, uh, say that they are identifying in the LGBTQ community and therefore they're at a higher risk, 
you know, looking at the person as a whole and identifying their individual needs and not, you know, causing that that shame or that judgment, I think is really, really important. And so I feel very fortunate that I'm able to help that community and be able to spread the word to other pharmacists, which is where I was over the weekend. Yeah. So no, that's I, amazing. Yeah. And I think it's so important to talk about because you keep hearing about the stigma around sexual health, but we just had Nevada has, I think, the highest case, a ratio of cases of syphilis and gonorrhea Right now, if I'm not mistaken, is yeah. That- so, so just to clarify, so we are currently number one for uh, both what we call primary and secondary syphilis cases. So syphilis, there's multiple stages, but the two when you're the most infectious and can give it to others are considered primary and secondary. So absolutely, we're number one for that. In relation to chlamydia and gonorrhea rates, we're actually 14th in the the nation for gonorrhea and 17th in the nation for chlamydia. So. We're still at the you know top of the bad list and bottom of the good list, right. but not as bad um, when we look at the other two. But but there's a high rate of HIV and syphilis co-infection. So if you have either primary or secondary syphilis, you're more likely to get and give another STD, which includes HIV. I always tease my students and I tell them a sore is a door. Right. Right. So if there's if there's an entry point there you potentially could be at risk. So, and we're talking a lot about kind of the stats and the facts and the things, but like there's human beings behind this. Of course. Who are fearful or who are like, I'm in a monogamous relationship. I have nothing to worry about. Or who are young and are like, but I ask my partners. And the thing, and the reason I was like, yes, please come on the show is because I have had over the course of, since my 20s, friends who I've I've watched through layers of, of grief as they've been diagnosed with various forms of sexually transmitted infections. And I have two friends who live with HIV. And I have watched them kind of there's, there's almost like a, a grief and a, a shame that comes along with it. They're embarrassed to talk about it. It's yeah. kind of like the dark night of the soul. Um, and unfortunately, what I found out is there's also some incredibly risky behavior from some people who are just kind of in denial and they don't want anyone to know, so they continue to engage in risky behavior. And I think what's really important to be clear on is that it's something any single person can get or give. And it's something that needs to be discussed. And you were mentioning before we got started, the largest infection rates are between 15 and 25. Is that what you were sharing Absolutely. With me? So young adolescents um, and young adults um, are really where we're seeing a highest, the highest rate of new infections. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is lack of, of knowledge, right? Lack of knowledge of your risk and then lack of knowledge of ways to protect yourself. So if you do not use a condom for your first sexual encounter, your most of your subsequent encounters are not going to include a condom. Mm. And so we know if your first encounter includes a condom, then you're over 80% more likely to use a condom for all your subsequent sexual encounters. So part of this is is looking at it from an education standpoint, right? So you talk about the stigma, and that's really important. But we also need to just ed- educate that, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Like, we're, we all have it, right. right? We just need to do it safely, right. right? I tell my patients that all the time. This is a judgment-free zone. We're very sex positive mm-hmm. at my clinic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about what you're doing in your bedroom. That's none of my business. I just need to know what parts you're using so that I can help to show you what your risk is mm-hmm. so that we can help you to, you know, have sex and do it safely, right? Because that's all it's about. It's just 
you know, I know you're going to have it. Let's try to make it as safe as possible for you. Yeah. What do you say to parents who, like, so sex ed's no longer in the classrooms. And I don't know how I feel about that because I remember sex ed and it wasn't very helpful. I mean, it was, was, I I left still confused as to how things worked. So I don't know how amazing I think it was. (laughs) But parents don't typically have these hey, I know you're going to – it's more like an – a lot of times it's abstinence-based or they hand their son their condom or they get their daughter some birth control and we mm-hmm. don't talk about it. Right. And right. you're supposed to figure that out along with how to stay out of debt and use credit cards effectively without a conversation, right? Like a lot of times there's some things that we don't really talk about. Yeah, so like hashtag adulting, right? Like yeah. we're supposed to know everything when we turn 18. Right. And that's not happening, right. obviously. So as far as conversations I would have with parents, I think the number one thing is just having that open and honest – honest conversation with your child Mm -hmm. because if you are not receptive to what they're saying they're not going to disclose and I say this about my patients all the time as well if you don't create the environment in which they feel safe and Mm -hmm. they feel affirmed and not judged they're not going to disclose to you and then you're not going to know what their actual risk is Mm -hmm. and then you may potentially you know miss an opportunity to tell somebody about you know, HIV prevention, which includes a medication that people can take daily Mm -hmm. and, you know, reduce their risk by over 90%. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's, there's other things other than just knowing the status of your partner and, you know, engaging in safe sex practices. There's another added layer of protection that we can, that we have now that we didn't have when I started out in pharmacy 15 years ago, which is super exciting for me because, you know, I've seen the devastation that HIV can have on families. And it's, it's not something that I want to go back to and when we don't have that open and honest conversation we end up with individuals who don't test and end up you know presenting to the hospital with an opportunistic infection because now they've progressed to AIDS Mm -hmm. like that's there's no reason why that should be happening in this day and age when you can take one pill once a day and be undetectable and untransmittable and you're talking about prep right so there's a there's two things and i really appreciate you asking for the clarification so when we look at hiv um, because obviously we're talking about sexual health in general but when we look at hiv it's a continuum so we have on one side we have those who are hiv negative and we have on the other side those who are hiv positive and those who are hiv negative there's two ways that we can prevent them from becoming hiv positive and so the first is prevention through PrEP, which Mm -hmm. is uh, um, pre-exposure prophylaxis. You take the pill daily to prevent yourself from getting HIV. And then there's something called PEP, which I don't know if you're aware Mm -mm. of. So that's post-exposure prophylaxis. So you can actually take the regimen that somebody who's positive takes if it's within 72 hours of that exposure, and it will prevent you from becoming HIV positive, which is pretty amazing. So HIV prevention the continuum. We've got those who are HIV negative. So that includes PrEP, mm-hmm. which you sounds like you already know a little bit about. And yep. then there's also PEP, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. And so that's post-exposure prophylaxis, which is where you can give somebody the medication that you would give someone who's positive. And if you do it within 72 hours of the exposure, you can prevent them from becoming HIV positive, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And then on the positive side, so those who are, they know their status, they already know that they have a positive status. 
we do what's called treatment as prevention. So if somebody gets to what we call an undetectable viral load, so they take medication, they're adherent to their regimen, and they get their virus down to um, typically less than 50 copies in a teaspoon of blood. Mm -hmm. uh, And that actually serves as a public health benefit because if they're undetectable, then they're untransmittable. Mm -hmm. So there is zero chance Okay, zero chance of somebody who's HIV positive giving it to their partner sexually if they're undetectable. I didn't realize that it was like a certainty. Yep, it's zero. It wow. is absolutely zero. So there were two studies that were conducted. So there was the partner's prep study, mm-hmm. um, so partner one and two. And so the second study that they did, they specifically looked at MSM, which mm-hmm. is men who have sex with men. And they looked at over 70,000 sexual encounters, and none of them resulted in somebody becoming HIV positive if their partner was undetectable. Wow. So, as I you said, you can live a pretty amazing. Yeah, you can yeah. live a full and healthy life now with HIV where you couldn't necessarily, you're mentioning like 15 years ago yeah. when you were in a hospital and they were like, hey, it's, there wasn't a whole lot of hope at that point. Yeah, no, my preceptor told me. Uh, don't get too attached because these patients may not be here tomorrow. Yeah, we're a lot further along. I'm curious. Like, so I, I've I've had friends who have I have two friends who have HIV and living with it and managing it and mm-hmm. and dealing and lots of disclosure. And it's been really interesting to see. I think because of my own preconceived notions of what HIV and AIDS meant, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how far along we'd we'd come. Mm-hmm. Right. So when yeah. I first was told, I was devastated for them. And then it took a lot of research on my behalf mm-hmm. to be like, okay, how can I support you without sounding stupid? <laughs> like I want to make sure I can support you and be there for you. But you're not an exception. I believe that you're the norm. And again, that goes back to messaging and knowing the facts. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're very. Dangerous data-oriented yes, and, and statistic-driven. Mm-hmm. As of myself, I, I feel that I, I practice evidence-based medicine, and really, you're only as good as the data you have. And if you don't have that, then how are you to be able to advocate and you know feel like you can be a supportive friend if you don't have the tools to make those kinds of decisions? Mm-hmm. You know, And so I think having me on the podcast and the fact that you are engaging in these conversations mm-hmm. is really just going to help to further conversation and help to really get that stigma down again yeah. right because unless we talk about it nobody's going to know right yeah. so it's like this little secret oh you know don't talk about it right and hopefully it'll go away well guess what that's not happening yeah we, we need to we need to put it in the forefront and you know dr ruth she talked about it all the time right here it is but you know it's a very different time from when our parents and our parents parents were living yeah you know there were no such things as tinder and grinder and adam for adam and you know ashley madison and all these websites where you can basically get a casual encounter through your phone like you would you know pick up takeout like it's so crazy i never even (laughs) thought of it from that perspective like you i mean because you can and it's it's I believe, like you said, I think it's wonderful that you're sex positive and that it's about sexual health, right? So of course. if you're engaging in a casual encounter, I think the message is you really need to be aware not only of your status, but having conversations with the partners that you're mm-hmm. keeping, even if it is takeout, right? Even if it is like of a course. simple like one-time thing, yeah. you really need to be having this conversation in yeah. advance and making um, good choices when it comes to barrier methods and possibly using PrEP yeah. so that you're creating the best opportunity for you to have 
a healthy sex life, but at the same time, keep your body healthy. Of course. And yeah. so something that I um, recently found out is that some of the, the sites specifically that cater to the MSM population specifically have a place within your profile that asks, like, when was the last time you tested and if you're on prep. Okay. Obviously, people can... They can, you know, they, they, can they can embellish, yeah. but I think it's a good step in the right direction, right? Because at least we're having the conversation about HIV prevention, right? Yeah. And so from my perspective, you know, I'm, I'm worried about sexual health in general. And so when I have people who come in and say that they're, they, you know, that they want to talk about HIV prevention strategies, I really want to talk about harm reduction strategies in general, right? Because mm-hmm. it's 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 everything. It's the holistic approach. So if they're actively substance using, can we get them access to clean needles? If they are um, exchanging, um, you know, sex for money or drugs, like let's find a way to get you stable employment and sta- stable housing mm-hmm. and food security so you don't have to do that mm-hmm. so that you know, you're not utilizing your body for those means and you're not putting yourself in, in harmful situations, right? And so I think bringing it back to the whole person and making sure that you're asking what their end point is and mm-hmm. what their desire is. Because, you know, if you look at, you know, the, the CDC and, and um, you know, the, you know, ACOG recommendations for, you know, women's health, one of the number one things that they say is that you need to reduce the number of sex partners, mm-hmm. right, to reduce your risk. Right. Well, what if that's your means of employment? Yeah. Right? It's not for me to judge, right? Yeah. And so if you can't do that, mm-hmm. how do I help you to do it safely, yeah. right? So if you can't find out what the status of your partner is because it's a client mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. don't want to ask that question because you obviously don't want to, you know, make – the mistake of them leaving right. and that's your income. Yeah. Right. What do you do? Yeah. So you can do things like prep. Mm-hmm. You can offer condoms, mm-hmm. knowing where you can go in the valley to get mm-hmm. free condoms. Public health department, my clinic offers free condoms. Local AIDS advocacy agencies. You know, I think we should give them out at every pharmacy, but yeah. that's just me personally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but things like that. It's but knowing health. yeah, it's it all goes back to public health, right? Yeah. And it's reducing the community viral load. Yeah. Because if the community viral load is down, your risk for transmission goes down. Yeah. Right. And we're one of the target counties that the CDC has identified as having high rates of new HIV diagnosis, which is, you know, obviously we have those who are living well with this with the diagnosis, but we shouldn't be having new diagnoses, right? right so that's be... that's key. Yeah. So how do we impact that, and how do we get to those young people who don't realize that they're at risk? So one of the questions I have for you, because I want to get into two other questions that I've 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 seen come up, but before that, I want to ask you about. Um, we talk about kind of disclosure and asking the questions and stuff like that. Well, if if it's socially acceptable because you're on an app or your community is talking about it because they know that they're at risk, that's one thing. But when you have young people, mm-hmm. we have a tendency to be like my one of my friends that contracted HIV. She asked the question, have you been tested? Yes, I've been tested. I'm clean. Turns out the test was six months ago. And there has been partners since. For some reason, we feel like, oh, they get tested, so it's good. So they're choosing other partners and having this conversation. We have no idea what other people are doing with their bodies when they're not right in front of us. And I think that's one of the things I think is also important is offering to young men and women who are sexually active um, before a mutually monogamous relationship, how do you 
convince how do you should you provide them with the confidence to advocate for their own sexual health yeah it's such a good question um so the first thing i wanted to point out is the testing so mm-hmm. our testing for hiv has come a long way so that lag time that we used to have um is much shorter now so before we used to only have a test that would look for the antibodies mm-hmm. for hiv which would be um that would develop after you became positive and so there was a like a 90 day lag time now we have a test that looks for both the antibodies that you're that are produced after you become infected but it also looks for the infection itself so we call that the antigen okay and so those are what we call fourth generation assays and they can pick up the virus within 15 to 21 days of you becoming infected wow so so we've actually come a very long way as far far as a testing um standpoint and so i think those rapid tests and if somebody is exhibiting those signs and symptoms of acute viral syndrome, mm-hmm. knowing you know what to do, um, prescribing those HIV medications. So if they are what we call actively seroconverting, mm-hmm. we can give them medication and potentially stop that process from happening. So there's a new... Um, it's not new, I, I shouldn't say, newer medication um, that's called an integrase inhibitor. And that medication works on the step within the HIV virus that what is what we call confers lifelong infection. So if that process is stopped, we can stop you from becoming infected. Wow. So I really wanted to like make sure that that was noted. But then going back to your your other statement, I think that you know having the ability to disclose, right? So mm-hmm. if I tell you that I've tested negative and I tested negative three months ago. Right. And you tell me, well, I've never tested. Then at that point, you know, I feel like the individual should feel empowered enough to say, you know what, um, I would feel more comfortable mm-hmm. if maybe we could test together and mm-hmm. then we know we both know what Where our status is. You know, I love So I did that with my my ex-husband when we first got we, when yeah. we first started dating. Yeah. I was like, we when were you tested? We use condoms at all times until together we are tested and we are in a mutually exclusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Then we know where we are on that day. And he, like, later on, he was like, he had never had anyone be that rigid <laughs> about it, right? Where it's like, here's the situation. But I don't think it's rigid. I just think that you are, you know, first and foremost, it's your body. Right. Right? And I feel like sometimes in general, we pay more attention to, you know, what our, what our clothes look like versus, yeah. you know, our, our partner and what their status is, right? Yeah. And so I, I just love the fact that you said that just now because, you know, when I was at the health district, we used to tease all the time at the, at the STD clinic and we used to say, this is the best first date you could ever have, mm. right? Because you guys come in together, you go both get tested. If somebody has something, you treat it and then you start fresh, Yeah, right? You start fresh. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And there's nothing wrong with you taking control of your sexual health, yeah. right? And I think that's really what it comes down to is empowerment and saying my body is my temple and I want to know where we're both at yeah you know and 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 there's no judgment and it's you know we we want to have this intimate relationship right Right. so so we both need to know where we stand I love that I love the I believe in that hold my body as my temple in in Mm -hmm. all ways and I think it's so important that we empower people to feel that way and it's kind of funny because I've you know, it, it, after my divorce, I would date and I would meet guys who are just, I don't use condoms. And I was like, I'm sorry, you are very, very smart and very, very successful. How are you? They don't feel, they this, they that. And you're just like, 
I we're I what <laughs> like you have something to if say you about that like I you're right like now, oh. oh my gosh uh yeah so this is uh bane upon my existence right so I feel like there's this machismo out there that these guys are just like well you know um you know I'm good I don't I don't need that you yeah. know or or they'll say you know oh they don't fit oh well, my god mm, <laughs> right <laughs> So I'll tell you, there is a custom condom company out there. Mm -hmm. Wow, what's it called? It's called The One. I love that. So they can measure and they will send them a custom condom. It's about 20% more than a regular condom would cost cost if you went and bought one over the counter. But come on. Yeah. Like, not an excuse. Right. Right? And again, it goes back to, was your first sexual encounter, did it include a condom? Because if it didn't, the mindset isn't there, right? So that, it's like an imprint. You know, like if that's what you think a sexual encounter should include, then you're going to use it. Yeah. But if you don't think that that's what, oh, well, my first sexual encounter, I didn't need a condom. So why do I need it for any of my subsequent encounters? Right. It doesn't become part of that, you know, harm reduction strategy. It doesn't right. become part of that self-preservation yeah. because they don't think it's needed. Well, the other thing that drives me crazy is like when I'd ask the question like, hey, did you, do you have, well, aren't you on birth control? And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Right. <laughs> two separate issues <laughs> two separate things and right. so I feel like there's a lot of like advocacy for self and awareness that happens has to happen on mm -hmm. both ends of the spectrum and I think basically what I'm hearing is we have to talk to our children before they're becoming sexually active absolutely and I know that like I you have to it's hard like once your child I told my daughter this thing this is like such a weird conversation for me because my daughter's eight, right? So what I told – she asked me how babies came into the world. She wanted to understand, and this is – she got very specific with her questions. So she understood what sex was from a very early age. And what I explained to her was um, at different stages within your development, your relationship with people is going to change. And as it changes, like the, the day that a boy starts to ask you if you'll be his girlfriend, try to hold your hand or try to kiss you – or there's crushes that are becoming like, oh, that's my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. You and I have to have a new conversation. And that's going to be around boundaries and expectations. And so kind of gauging with each layer of her development, like, okay, so when you're talking to this boy, what and like what age are you and what age is he and what's the expectation? Here are the things that we have to talk about so that I can kind of grow the conversation about body awareness, sexuality, and all of those things at the appropriate age and time frame. But now we have this mindset each time you are moving into a new development stage, you have to come to me because I have new things I have to tell you. Yeah. That you're not ready for now, but yeah. you will You will need to know. Well, I would say that you're an amazing example of what all parents should do with their children, right? Regardless of their gender, regardless of, you know, who they love or who they're attracted to. I think having that openness and honesty is just commendable. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that you're, you're starting – with this conversation and you're starting her so young because that and you as an example for her is going to just, it's going to pay off in spades and hopefully she'll be able to advocate for her peers as well. Yeah. Right. So it's not just that you're educating her. She's going to feel like she can talk with her peers about this as well, right. which is amazing. And I feel like again, positivity begets more positivity, right? Mm -hmm. So if we talk about it in a positive light, there's the stigma goes away. I love it melts that. away. I love that. I I there's two specific infections that I want to ask you about because I I um I feel like there's HPV has become almost like 
HPV and herpes, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor, they test for it, but they're like, everyone has it. Mm -hmm. And I had so many girlfriends growing up that got HPV, Mm -hmm. and you don't really put two and two together Mm -hmm. as to what that will mean later on in life. Right. Yeah. And how that can affect you later. Mm-hmm. And then what uh, the new things that I've heard about is that people who have cold sores in their mouth, mm-hmm. if they perform oral sex on someone mm-hmm. and they have an active infection or their what is it called? Shedding that that person could then get. H. So it'd be herpes one, I guess, mm-hmm. but it becomes sexually transmitted at that point. Yeah. And I'm like hearing that these are more prevalent and we don't really understand this kind of like mutation of how they're they're working and changing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what it means to have hpv later on okay so we'll we'll take one at a time okay (laughs) i am so excited to finally announce what i am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it today gold is brought to you by live media and i couldn't be more thrilled live is an app that will launch christmas 2019 I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who wants so deeply to use tech for good and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings including meditation, breathwork, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, Liv will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life leveling up in every aspect. Live meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge, a thoughtful guide and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way, to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code Gold VIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code gold VIP in all caps. Join the movement. They're working and changing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what it means to have HPV later on. Okay, so we'll, we'll take one at a time. Okay, <laughs> so let's start with. HSV. Okay. So HSV is herpes simplex virus. So there's herpes simplex virus one and yep. there's herpes simplex virus two. Mm-hmm. So HSV one is oral labial and can infect the mouth as well as the genitalia, mm-hmm. right? Which is what you were talking about with the giving um, and receiving oral sex. And then HSV two, which is only um, affects the genitals. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you have an af- active outbreak or not, if you have the virus, you can shed and you can spread, mm-hmm. okay? So obviously it's more likely if you have an active sore, because remember I told you before, a sore is a door. Right. Um, this and be so, the hashtag for this episode. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my gosh. My husband's going to love this. <laughs> um, and so there's that, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you – so there are some individuals who – 
because of you know their um, their stress level, their immune system, they actively shed more mm-hmm. and they are more at risk for having more outbreaks. And so in those individuals, we can actually give them something called suppressive therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's a medication that they take daily in order to prevent themselves from spreading it to others. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we still recommend safe sex practices and correct and consistent condom use, but there are means for us to try to help stop the spread. Now to your your first point about, you know, oh, this is, you know, it's everywhere, blah, blah, blah. You know, don't worry about it because, you know, everyone has it. Not everyone has it. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it can be spread just from skin-to-skin contact mm-hmm. or exposure to the exudate that comes from the lesion, mm-hmm. it does make it what we like to call highly communicable, which means that you have high transmission from person to person, right? And so... In that regard, yes, I would say that there are a lot of individuals who may have it. But the good thing is, is in some cases, it may, um, like with HPV, you can actually clear the infection on your own. So your immune system can actually take care of it on its own. The problem is, is that if you have an active outbreak and you don't seek medical attention and it goes away, then your partner could have it and then you keep just spreading it back and forth to each other, right? Mm -hmm. So again, going back to the importance of knowing your status, knowing your partner's status and testing regularly, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have an STD, the recommendation is that you should be tested every three months. Mm -hmm. And from an HIV standpoint, the CDC recommends from 13 to 64, you be tested at least once annually. Wow. Yeah. So who knew, right? Yeah. So Florida had a whole like outbreak of STDs in their Uh, retirement communities because all of these older people didn't think about using condoms because the first person that they were with was a virgin. So they're like, what is this? Condom business, right? So they had a whole public health campaign about sex and the elderly because they had an outbreak of STDs in the retirement homes, right? You never know, right? You never know. I'm telling you. Like a 70-year-old was like spreading it to the entire community. That's, yeah. I'm just like, my mind's a little bit blown right mm-hmm. now. But yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for them that they're finding of love course, after, right. you know. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, so it's to... everyone. So everybody needs to be tested. Everybody needs to know what their status is. So kind of going back to the, the first point. So that's HSV, right? So HSV is herpes simplex virus. So if you have a cold sore, it does not mean that you have genital herpes. Right. Right. So one does not mean you, you have the other. But it doesn't mean that you can't potentially have a genital manifestation if you have the oral, right? So they're not mutually exclusive, right? So, or I should say, you know, it just depends, right? So HSV, very high prevalence, Mm -hmm. right? So one in five. cervical cancer because of the vaccine which is highly protective Mm -hmm. um and should be received at the target age range of 11 and 12 but the men are not being tested especially our msm Mm -hmm. right so 
anal cancer, penile cancer, super high risk, right? And especially in our HIV positive patient population. So my provider um, actually does what's called endoscopies. So he actually does PAPs, but rectally. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. Especially for our MSM patient population because they're at such high risk. So I think knowing even just that is super empowering, right? So when we think about HPV, yes, absolutely get vaccinated, which by the way, the vaccine just got approved last year to be given all the way up to 45-year-olds. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So so it got FDA. The expanded indication was last year. There's an advisory committee on immunization practices, which – actually sets the standard for what vaccines are given and when. So this year they voted to allow for that extension to be part of the standard of care. So mm-hmm. that should be in the A conversation that's happening with Absolutely. your OBGYN. Yeah. No, my OBGYN every single year, it's like an entire conversation about like, who are your partners? How's your emotional health? How many people have you slept with? And I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> But it's hallelujah. Thank your OB. Right. Because this is I'll why you, I'm like, not... okay, so I know this and I know this and I know that. Because he's like, all right, we're doing Honey, It's like a car wash. You get you the work. like a walking testimonial. I <laughs> freaking love you. Yeah. Like, can I just clone you? Like, Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's I think, amazing. I think it's really, because, well, and I'm also a very curious person, right? And I've had people in my life who um, share things with me. And so then I'm like, well, let me understand better. And I think for me, so much of what I believe is that we have to help each other. We have to have conversations and we have to bring awareness. And I do recognize that sometimes on my podcast, some of my conversations and some of my guests are a little controversial, right? Because we've talked about mental health before and now we're talking about sexual health. These are conversations that need to be had with people who are in the know because we're not always comfortable asking the uncomfortable questions. And if I can be that person and maybe spread a little love and spread a little awareness, yes. then let's let's do it's all that. About, it's yeah. all about love, but it's also safe love. Safe right? love. <laughs> it's safe love. <laughs> safe love with barriers, right. both boundaries and physical. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we, uh, we, we can talk about that later. Yeah. So, but I do, I love the fact that you want to, you know, broach these sort of potentially taboo topics because I think that unless we have that dialogue, Mm -hmm. it's just going to be taboo and Mm -hmm. we just, we have to put it out there. We have to talk about it. And sort of the intersection of mental health and sexual health and overall wellness, I think really, really need to be talked about. So one of the things that um, my provider always tells me is that we want to recommend counseling especially after somebody maybe has had an encounter Mm -hmm. that you know they think may have resulted in an HIV infection so he teases and he says I'm going to recommend that they see a counselor after this not to just deal with the potential trauma of having this event happen but the drama behind it as well right so for the for the for the trauma and the drama right why do we say it that way because the actual thought process Mm. that you may have become HIV infected is so psychologically damaging to some people that it's it's almost like PTSD it's like so difficult for them to recover from that and they swear off everyone they're like I'm never having sex again and that's not what we want right we want you to be healthy and we're human beings and we need to be around others and we need that intimate contact and we need to have intimacy with each other. So I don't want people to feel like if this happens to them or if they have an STD, that that means that they can't have an intimate relationship with anybody anymore. It's just, we got to do it safely. And so that counseling aspect I think is really huge. And especially if it comes down to 
oh my gosh, this person cheated on me. Mm. Right? Like we forget about that, right? I know. And I think so many people get in, they think I'm in a monogamous relationship. I'm with my partner and I'm safe, right? Mm -hmm. And are blindsided. I've known a few people who are blindsided and they find out about the cheating because of the infection. Right. Because. And that's how they realize. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, again, it's, it's very disheartening that we don't feel like we can be open with our partner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously if they want to bring a guest star into their relationship, that's their decision, but it needs to be discussed. Right. And then who are you bringing into the bed? Mm -hmm. Right. Who are you bringing in with us? Because you, whoever they've slept with, now you're sleeping with. Right. Right. So every person that they've slept with, now you're sleeping with. Yeah. So knowing that and really digesting that I think is is important which goes back to the you know going to the sexual health clinic or going to get tested and having that be your first date because now it's you've reset everything right you're now at a at a clean slate and everybody's starting fresh and new and I think the one thing people don't realize is that um people are very understanding more so than you realize i think people are so afraid of the stigma and the shame that sometimes they don't share their stories or what they're worried about or or they ask the question about have you been tested but then they don't ask like the second or third or fourth question that probably should come up after that Mm -hmm, the follow-up yeah because they're they're worried about how they're going to be seen but you know with my my one of my friends has lived with hiv for 15 years and the when my other friend was was diagnosed he was like, I need to speak to them immediately. Yeah. Get them on the phone with me immediately because what they're going through is big. Yeah. And the quicker I can get in front of them and say, here's what you're going to experience. Your life is not lost. Here is the love that you're going to find. Here are the conversations that you will have. And he's married in a beautiful relationship. So he's like, yeah. it's good. But this part's going to suck, so let me be there for you. And I I learned so much from those interactions Mm -hmm. and from that just, like, human to human, just let me help you out and let me kind of explain to you what this is going to look like and you can have a a normal life. Yeah, it's just, you know, let people love you, Mm, you know, be vulnerable. I mean, it may not end up the way you think it's going to, but it may end up being amazing. Yeah. Right? Like, don't limit yourself mm-hmm. and you never know like you may disclose to them and then they're like oh well I have you know whatever you know like this let me disclose something to you or mm-hmm. uh, or thank you so much for disclosing like I, I I love you as a person and that comes with everything that you bring along with you and yeah. it's not a barrier to our relationship and mm-hmm. our intimacy it's just something we need to talk about because we need to address it yeah Right? Address it and move on. Yeah. I love it. I think this is such an important conversation and I'm so glad that I found out that you have this expertise. And it was I'm like, I wanna like dig in because I feel like people need to be aware of what brought you to this practice? What brought you to yeah, the so field of sexual health? Yeah, so that's a really great question. Um, Ultimately, I was given an amazing opportunity to start clinical pharmacy services with the public health department, um, gosh, now almost 12 years ago, through my faculty appointment with Roseman University of Health Sciences. And so they wanted to start having a pharmacist there. They didn't exactly know what my role would be, and it was really just me 
developing it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And I always am one of these, you know, people who don't shy away from a challenge. I'm typical only child. (laughs) I want to succeed at everything and I don't want anybody to tell me I can't do something. Right. And so I took it on as a challenge and I was like, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's fine. At least I can say I tried, right? Because mm-hmm. I learned from every experience I've ever had, every job I've ever had. If nothing else, I've learned that that's not what I want to do, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I knew that going in, it was going to be a lot of work and it was going to be hard. But I observed and I watched the, the clinic nurses and how the providers worked. And at the time, um, I rotated in their sexual health clinic because my background was women's health. Yep. So I did a lot of contraception, a lot of pregnancy prevention, a lot of um, lactation, things like that. So my background was women's health. And then, so I started rotating in the sexual health clinic. Then they had me doing vaccinations. Then I started working in HIV, Mm -hmm. became credentialed with the Academy of HIV Medicine because that became a passion of mine. Um, and then also worked in tuberculosis. Wow. So just really all things communicable disease. Mm-hmm. And so I, my background and how I did my residency was all in hospital and inpatient care. But I always had that like under layer of infectious disease knowledge, right? So I wasn't as familiar with the communicable diseases, but I always had that infectious disease background. And so it sort of really married my passion to help others in such an immediate setting with my love of sort of the data and the evidence and sort of the, you know, that ability to really impact patient care. And so it really married those two things together. And I, I saw it as an amazing opportunity to increase the health and wellness of my community. Mm -hmm. And so I always tease and say, I may not have been the, the perfect pharmacist because I want to get people off their medication Mm -hmm. and I want to prevent disease and not um, have a pill for every ill. But I think it's a perfect fit as being a public health pharmacist because now I get to help people live their best lives. Yeah. Right. And to be healthy and well and to prevent them from getting, you know, things like chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and of course, HIV, which is a, a huge passion of mine. And so I think it's just grown. It's mm-hmm. just grown over the, over time. And now with my, um, my love of working with the LGBTQ community because of their health disparities and because of their vulnerabilities. And really that came out of a student that I had. Mm-hmm. So, um, gosh, it's like almost 10 years ago. Now I had a student, I was in the middle of teaching my women's health lecture, came up to me after class and said, can I meet with you, Dr. Madison? And I said, of course, no problem. So came to my office and disclosed to me that they were trans. Mm. Um, So they were transmasculine and wanted to know what they could do to get a pap smear because they still um, had, you know, they they hadn't gone through sex reassignment surgery and then asked me if they felt that it would be appropriate to get a hysterectomy during Christmas break. And I was like, "Um, let's talk about this. Yeah. That's probably not the best time for you to to do your bottom surgery. Right, right. So, but the fact that they disclosed and were so open and honest and vulnerable and raw with me, like, I just was like, wow, what am I putting out that this person felt so comfortable mm-hmm. with me? Yeah. And so it really ignited this passion for for helping the LGBTQ community. And then 
I just happened to, you know, sort of this provider kind of fell in my lap. Yeah. Um, his name's Rob Phoenix. He's an amazing nurse practitioner and he was looking for some help with some research studies. And then I transitioned to working in his, cl- in his clinic after I came back from maternity leave for the second time, yeah. which was pretty amazing. And so just that passion and that knowledge that I can help people and I can leave work feeling like I did good mm-hmm. is just, I can't, I can't. You can't overstate that and I can't put a price on it, you know, and I just, I want to, I want to help other pharmacists to do that as well and to feel like they're impacting their communities and they're trying to push our, our profession forward and really be identified as true providers of, of clinical services and clinical care because I have that luxury and I know there's some pharmacists out there that maybe are looking for a new avenue or a new aspect to their career and I really want to advocate for public health yeah well and you talked about how as humans we need connection right and we need need we need to have and what you're doing is you're providing a connection to people who don't have maybe the resource or the doctor or the specialist that they feel is maybe qualified to help them through a lot of these things because I mean you you research this so deeply um and maybe the compassion, right, yeah. to spend the time with them to help them with that. So I think that that's really beautiful. And I love that you're, you've taken the experience and the education and turned it into purpose work. And I think that that's really amazing. Um, I have questions that I ask everyone that come on the show. So I have to ask you, if you were to look at a younger version of Dr. Madison, young Dr. Madison, before all the letters. Oh, goodness. You're so cute. What advice <laughs> would you give her? Uh, Such a good question. So what would I tell my younger self? I would tell her that you are destined for great things and that you will impact your community more than you'll ever know was even possible and not to doubt yourself because you are capable, you are strong, and you are worthy. I love that. I love that. That's really beautiful. How old would you imagine that younger version of yourself to be? Oh, 25. Yeah? Yeah. It was like a year after I graduated from pharmacy school, and I was like, what am I doing with myself? <laughs> like, I had no idea what I wanted well, to do Well, and you were life. open, right? Yeah. Like, you were open, and you're like, I'm going to go down this. And yeah. I think that's when the magic happens is when we're kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep saying yes. Yeah. And leaning into the things that I love, and that's when it leads you to the right stuff it, it leads you I, I believe in the fact that we all have something that we're passionate or pr- it's purpose work for us right mm-hmm. and we can take these really big careers and make them purposeful um it doesn't have to be that we go off and sit on a mountain for months and meditate we can I'd like that though yeah that would That'd be, be kind great of too amazing. right <laughs> you're like I would like a vacation <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um if you were to be leaving this earth behind and you needed to leave behind a, a nugget gold nugget of wisdom or inspiration what would that nugget or nuggets look like? So my nugget would be don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I tell mm. my students this all the time. So as women, I feel like we never take a chance on ourselves when we don't think the situation is perfect. And we don't want to take that leap of faith because we're afraid of the possibility of failing yeah. or looking like we don't know what we're doing. And so I really feel like, you know, don't be afraid to fall. Tacos fall apart. We love them. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Right? Yes, I love Um. So, you know, I, I really feel like don't, don't wait till the situation is perfect. And don't let a good opportunity pass you by because you didn't feel like you were prepared. So be prepared. Yeah 
to take the opportunity when it comes to you. And even if you don't know the answer, say yes and find out. Yeah. Right? So, like, I do that all the time. And, you know, the fact that you asked me to be on this podcast, like, this fell in my lap. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, I, I just, I really feel like everything happens for a reason. And we're all where we're supposed to be at that time and at that moment. And if I could tell my younger self anything and see where I was today, I I would never have imagined mm-hmm. all of the things that I've been able to accomplish and just the sheer number of opportunities. So I can say that maybe I'm lucky, but really luck is preparation and timing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I can say I'm lucky, but I was prepared. Yeah. So when those opportunities came to me, I could really grasp them and think about it later. Right. So I just kind of jumped forward and then later I'm going to go, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? But ultimately, you know, I've just I've really been so blessed with the opportunity and and the thread through it all has been how do I help others? Yeah. Well, I think it's like the messy yes, right? It's like saying yes before you're ready. The messy yes is – I think of it like – That's as like, awesome. I'm going to use that. The yes with like the hair in the top knot with like the coffee and like I don't know. Like you're kind of like this is my messy yes. And when you talk about the preparation, I think the preparation is truly, in my opinion, a mindset, right? Because a lot of times I've found that I've been offered opportunity. And even now, like I've got – I have an app coming out. I didn't know tech. I read very thick books so that I would know, but I knew that this is the thing I was supposed to lean into. I knew that it was the developer I was supposed to hire. I knew it was this. And I said yes and then ordered a ton of books off of Amazon and started reaching out to mentors and be like, all right, I'm doing this thing. Help me, like, fill out the messy yes. Like, I've shown up for it, but now I have to I have to figure the rest of it out. And I think such beautiful things come from the messy, like, like moving forward without perfection, right? Moving forward and just don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I love it. I love it. I want to thank you for being on this show and for everything that you share. I think it's so important that we talk about these things. I think it's so important that people feel supported and that they have access to their their questions and concerns. If anyone wanted to follow you or find you, where can they go? Yeah, so it's a great question. I actually am launching my website called The Public Health Pharmacist. I love it. So you can find me on The Public Health Pharmacist. It'll have all kinds of information about public health, resources, um, where to go if you want to find a clinic that offers prep care, Mm -hmm. STD testing, condoms, um, immunizations, pretty much everything public health. And then also it's a resource for, um, you know, other pharmacists if mm-hmm. they want coaching yeah. on how they can provide clinical services. And then you can follow me on Instagram, Dr. Chrissy Rx, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Christina Madison. I love it. Thank yeah. you so much for being here and sharing your goals. This is awesome. Yeah, you're phenomenal. And thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love Dr. Madison's reminder that our body is our temple and to treat it as such. By advocating for our own sexual health, we can feel confident and empowered to make safer choices and have honest, open conversations with partners. You can find Dr. Madison at thepublichealthpharmacist.com 
on Instagram and Facebook at The Public Health Pharmacist, and on Twitter at Public Health Rx. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. Don't forget, Gold listeners, not only do we have a Gold VIP experience for you at loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP, but we've got a big holiday giveaway. So please follow us at ms.janetteschneider on Instagram and loveisviral.media. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.